Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh my gosh, guys. It's finally here. Episode one. You have no idea how excited I am to be starting this journey with you all. This has been a long process in the making. I'm just so happy that it's finally here. Oh my gosh. And as excited as I am, I do feel like I need to put a quick disclaimer just for all the people who seem to not quite understand what I mean when I say true crime throughout this whole journey. So when I talk about true crime, I don't sugarcoat anything. I'm not going to censor myself. I'm not going to bleep out anything. I'm just going to give it to you straight to the point. If it's gross, I'm going to say it. If it's gruesome, I'm going to say it. And that's just how it's going to be. So please keep that in mind when you listen to me. And I sat back and contemplated a lot about what I wanted to talk about, all the different people I wanted to talk about, because there's just so many. And it's getting to the point where I just find them fascinating. Not I'm fascinated with what they did, but I'm a psychology major and I minor in criminology. So these type of things, I really just sit back and be like, wow. <laughs> wow, that's dark. No, I really just sit back and be like, wow. What was going through their head? I'm that kind of person. So when I was thinking about who to do for episode one, I was really thinking on the sense that who do I feel like is the most, mm, what's the word I want to use? I guess you can say interesting. Yeah, I'll use the word interesting. And of course, the first person that popped into my little head was dear old Ed. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Edward Theodore Gein. Yes. <laughs> so I just want to preface throughout this whole journey. If you hear me laughing or giggling or anything of that sort, it's not because I actually find it funny. It's because I'm a nervous laugher. So if something is like really awkward or we get to the point in the story where it's just, God, why did they do that? That is demented. That is terrible. Oh, God, I'm sick. I might laugh just because I'm just, I can't believe it. And a lot of people nervous laugh, so... I just wanted to put that out there before you be like, oh my God, she finds this funny. No, I don't. So let's begin. So Edward Theodore Gein, he was born August 27th in 1906. Sis was a Virgo. Do with that what you will. To George and Augusta. Mm, lovely people. Yeah. So let's start with dear old Georgie. So George... What's there to say about dear old George? People considered him like a very reserved, very dignified yeah, man. And he worked many jobs to provide for his family. He was an orphan at an early age. His family died. It's said in the Mississippi River, but I wasn't sure what that meant. Maybe they died in a flood. I couldn't find too much about that. But some sources say this is what caused him to turn to alcohol. But that was never confirmed. I'm just saying. But alcohol was the main reason he could never keep a job. Like, sis bounced. He loved alcohol so much homie really would spend his entire paycheck on it and you know what if that's your thing do you boo but back then no the paychecks were not that great so moving on <sighs> let's talk about mommy dearest who throughout this whole entire episode you're gonna feel like I'm really just fed up with her and I really am but the things that I'm going to say about her doesn't even fully begin to encapsulate how much I hate her. <laughs> like, I, I don't hate a lot of people, 
but I hate her. So, Augusta. Oi. Where do I begin with this woman right here? She, and I have more on Augusta than I do Georgie. Because, you know, that's just what the world provides me. They didn't really care about George. George wasn't really around. So, we have more on Augusta. Just want to put that out there. But anyways, uh, she was one of eight children born to two immigrants. And they were, quote, old Lutheran. I did have to Google what that was. And raised to believe that another, quote, every human thought and deed is infected with sin and sinful motives. And because of this, all humanity deserves eternal damnation in hell. End quote. All right. So, yeah. Moving on. She suffered repeated abuse from her father and, like I said, was plastered with extremely religious beliefs. And on December 11, uh, 1900, she married George. And in 1902, that's when they had their first son, Henry. And then soon thereafter, 1906, here comes their old Eddie. And she stated that she really wanted a girl. So in return, she babied him and stated that he would not be like other males. So that just goes to show she really prefaced how she... (laughs) She really just, I don't want to use that one. <laughs> it's funny. She really just dug her own grave. You'll see why that's funny in a minute. It's not funny. But anyways. <laughs> so, and let me tell you, also, she cannot stand her husband. Actually, she loathed him. Like, if this man was on fire and she had a glass of water, she would give it to the neighbor. Like, that's how much she hated this man and she wanted to divorce him so bad like every chance she got she wanted to divorce him and what she hated most about him was that he was an alcoholic I think that's kind of where it began I think when she don't know how they got together but I think when she met him he didn't really show his true colors and then when she realized how much of an alcoholic he was and coupled with the fact that she's extremely religious I think It was just a recipe for disaster. And the only reason she did stay with him was because of her religious beliefs, which don't even do that, boo. Mm -mm, Don't even do it to yourself. But in public, she would literally call him worthless, say that she couldn't stand him. He was a pushover. Everything you can think of. So whenever George would get off work and go out and drink as one usually does but for him he would take it to the extreme and he would not go home until he finished having enough drinks to the point where when he got home he would just beat her because that would be the only way he could take out his aggression and in his mind actually feel like a man which (sighs) sweetie no Anyways, ugh, this man almost gagged. But anyways, and Augusta in return would just get on her knees and pray to God to kill her husband. So you can kind of see where this family's at in terms of parental structure. And quintessentially, when that would happen, she would take out her aggression in another way, on her children. So one day, they moved from what Augusta would call the sinkhole of filth, which is La Crosse, Wisconsin, and moved to Plainsfield, Wisconsin. In her words, not mine. Um, I would never call the place sinkhole of filth. Just put that out there. And it was very isolated. Uh, it was a not a small farm. It, I don't know how many acres it was, Ooh. but yeah, it was big enough that they were isolated from the rest of the town, which Augusta liked because it kept her family away from anything sinful, as she would put it, and kept her boys away from whorish women. Yeah, so 
she hated whores. Like, her her thing. That's what she said. She hated whores. And I don't know how many she ran into in the nineteen early 1900s. But, you know, go off, sis. Anyways, I don't even know what that means. You hate whores. But do we even still use that word? I know it was probably pretty common back then. But does anybody even still use that word? But I digress. <laughs> I'm trailing off. So... And <laughs> we're about to get into really how Augusta treated the kids. And please keep in mind to take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm speaking from her perspective and something and I'm just saying what she did I don't agree with or condone anything that she did so my nervous laughter please take that as nervous laughter do not think that I'm enjoying this in any type of way because this woman is demented and like I said before I hate 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 double hate loathe entirely this woman so let's get to it so Her kids were not allowed to have friends, but also at the same time, they would get bullied at school and particularly Ed would get bullied at school simply because he, one, had a lazy eye and kids are so mean, bro. Like, I know kids are mean now, but imagine kids back then, like, oh my God. And he also had a speech impediment because of a growth that was on his tongue also which okay tell me if this is weird or not but he would be in class and he would start laughing to himself and when the teacher would be like oh ed what are you laughing at and he would just be like oh because of the jokes inside my head now i do that all the time i think i'm hilarious i talk to myself all the time which i don't know if that's still normal but that it just seems like a normal kid who just had a little bit of issues like okay a lot of people have lazy eyes some stronger than others the speech thing he can't really help that see kids are just mean bro jesus christ and yeah it just seemed like a sweet kid growing up not that you know i enjoy him but i feel like as an adolescent before all the wheels started turning and light switches started going off. I feel like he was a pretty decent kid, but we would never know. So that's neither here nor there. But yeah, couldn't have any friends. But when he did try to have a friend, his mom would just tell him to stop being their friend because they're riddled with sin. Oh, she must be great at parties. Like, imagine you think you're coming home with little Timmy, meet his mom, hang out at his house, and his mom opens the door is like, you're sinful, and just slams the door. Like, Jesus. I wouldn't even know. You know what? I'm not even going to say it. Anyways, yeah. So I can see why they didn't want to be his friend, because I would not want to be around his mom. And... She would just say that they would bring nothing but sin into his life. Like I said, she said they were riddled with sin and all they would do was just corrupt him. So he would go to school and everyone would think, oh, Ed's weird. His family's weird. So they would just bully him. And when he wouldn't run home crying because no one wanted to be his friend, he would just repeatedly get beat by his dad. Like, that's a great way to comfort your kids, dude. I got bullied at school because of you. And then I come home and I got to get beat because of you. Nah, I would have ran away a long time ago. And his mom was so scared that they were going to be alcoholics like their dad. So she just beats them off the strength. So it's no matter what they do, they got beat. So you don't want them to be like their dad, but you beat them so they won't be like their dad, which is kind of counterproductive if, 
I do say so myself, you know, to say the least. Because if I was getting beat every day, the first thing that came to my mind was, I got to get out of here. Second thing, I'm probably so traumatized that I might want to drink. But, you know, life had other plans for Ed. And I kind of wish she would have just saw that in the beginning. Anyways, I hate this woman. (laughs) I don't know how many times I'm going to say I hate this woman. So she would often preach that sex and women were sinful. I'm pretty sure that was her favorite word. Besides whore, sinful was probably her favorite word because she used it so much. And she would just repeatedly pound Ed in particular with Bible verse after Bible verse and just keep telling him that women are nothing but prostitutes and instruments of the devil. Oh my God, I hate her. Her words, not mine. So one day, by the way, Ed and his brother weren't allowed to leave the house. I don't know if I said that before, except to go to school. But for whatever reason, Ed wanted to disobey mommy dearest and sneak out of the house. So he ran to their shed that they had on their farm and he saw his mom and dad in there with a pig carcass. Now, let me tell you, I've seen a pig carcass before. I don't want to see it again. So you can Google it if you want to. But when I saw it as a kid, I ran away. Ed stayed. So do with that information what you will. And when he stayed... He watched as he saw his, he watched and he saw his dad slice open the pig from top to bottom. And I guess I need to describe how. So when they do this, (laughs) I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to describe this. So when they do this, they hang the pig upside down. And they cut the whole stomach out and they just essentially let the intestines fall out, let the blood drain. And then you do with the pig what you will. So Ed saw this as his dad did it and he got turned on. Like I saw this, I ran. He saw this, he stayed. So... If that wasn't the beginning of a downward spiral for Ed sexually, I don't know what it was. And it was only because essentially he didn't know what sex was. Besides it being evil, as his mom would told him. uh, His mom would told him. (laughs) As his mom would tell him. God, I could not talk. And so he never got to explore what he was sexually, what he was sexually attracted to. And he never even got to know what sex was. As a young age, all you heard as a child was sex is bad. So whenever you see something that other people would deem as odd and you find it attractive, I think it just speaks more on how you were raised. And it's not because you're weird or anything. I just want to throw that out there for a lot of people who think that he wasn't weird. Ed is a product of his environment. So when you wake up every day, go to bed every day, and throughout your day, all you hear is sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, don't do it. It's sinful. You will die and go to hell. What do you think is going to happen? So when he sees something out of the ordinary that other people would be turned off of, it turns him on. And he didn't know what that meant at the time. So seeing that and he's like, oh, I got a little rumble in my booty or whatever. (laughs) Like, oh, my heart went pitter patter. He's just sitting there like, this is normal. Because he doesn't know what essentially what normal is. If you can define normal, what other males are attracted to, his was switched. So. Yeah, but trust me, if you think that's out of the ordinary, you're in for a treat. (laughs) So shortly after that, on a different occasion, she caught 12-year-old Ed 
pleasuring himself in the bathtub and she pinched his privates and told him that this was the curse of a man. I guess jacking off in the bathtub is the curse of a man. I don't And I'm reading a lot of these things verbatim because this is a particular story. Like when you hear certain things, you think, oh, that didn't happen. Or, oh, you made that up. You got that from TV. No, I want you to understand that these things actually happened and these things were actually said. So, yeah, she pinched his privates and said that this was the curse of the man. Whatever that means. And so, years down the line, um, his older brother, Henry, wasn't too much on about him because he seemed to be the only one actually trying to have a life. He met someone, he wanted to settle down. And as they got older, he noticed that Ed was just a little too attached to their mom, which, duh. (laughs) And he thought it was weird. And he even brought it up to his attention, like, hey, you... You need to get a life, dude. Like, your world doesn't revolve around mom. And he was just talking bad about her, which who who else wouldn't? I would. I'm talking bad about her right now. And he just up and down just talked crap about the woman and how she was just trash. And she was a trash lady. So go Henry. And it got pissed, like really pissed. So... On May 18th, no, May 16th, 1944, Henry and Ed were working on the farm and they were burning away marsh. And if you want to Google it, go ahead because I had to. I had no idea what that was. But at some point, the fire got out of control and they had to call the fire department. So after the fire was put out, Ed was just looking around like, oh, I can't find my brother. He's missing. I don't know where he is. You know, real dramatic like and such. Because, you know, sis was real theatrical. It's like their father. And a search party was put together. And after some time, they did find Henry. And he was lying face down. And you guessed it, he was dead. So some did assume that he died in the fire but those assumptions were never checked out since they found his body duh and there were no burns on him and it was initially presumed that he died of a heart failure but under further investigation he did have a lot of bruises to his head which was weird but you know the police quickly ruled out foul play because there was no evidence and the coroner pronounced him dead due to asphyxiation Now, if you want my two cents, which you probably didn't, but you're going to get it anyway. I think dear old Eddie did it. He got a little bit upset talking about mommy and he took out his aggression and killed him because, yeah, that's good old quinky dink. But there's no proof and they had no evidence, like I said, to explore that theory. So I guess it's just a mystery to the world, not to me, but yeah. And I say that because Ed wasn't too upset after he died simply because then it was just him and his mom. By the way, I didn't mention it before, but in 1940, his dad passed away due to heart failure, which I presume was due to all of his drinking. But he wasn't really around anyway. So any other information besides that, I couldn't really find on his dad. He, he just wasn't there. He was either at work were drinking so they didn't really keep tabs on him and he was really just there in the early stages of Ed's life so yeah so shortly after Henry passed it was just him and his mom and he was just over the moon but then Augusta suffered a stroke and was confined to the house and Ed loved nothing more and taking care of his mama let me tell you he was ecstatic oh my god I get to be with mommy 24 7 and take care of her what else is there what else do I need but good old mommy even though Ed was taking care of her she would still verbally abuse him and she literally told this boy to remain loyal to her and he would have to stay a virgin. Sex was evil. And if you do it, you're going to go straight to hell. So only listen to me. 
yeah, great bedside patient. So essentially from birth to adulthood, Ed completely doubted his masculinity. Like he thought he had none whatsoever. He thought men were worthless and weak because his men, his mom would say men are worthless and weak. She would call him, his brother, and his dad throughout the years worthless and weak, even when he was taking care of her. Ugh. Am I going to go to hell for saying if she was on life, life support, I'd pull the plug. No, she's already gone. Anyways, yeah, I would do that. I told you I hated her. And... While he was taking care of his mother, Ed grew to love reading books. And his favorite books to read were about grave robbing, head shrinking, and human anatomy. Just lovely reads. Which they probably are, but, you know, not in this context when you don't know what's going on. So, 1945, Augusta suffered another stroke, I believe, when Ed was 39, I want to say, and she passed away. So here is where we get into the fun stuff. Yay. <laughs> so I just want to preface, Ed wanted to be like his mom. We're just going to put that out there, plain and simple. He wanted to be just like his mom in every sense of the word. Like I say, he thought men were weak and I guess he, not I guess, but he idolized his mom. She thought, he, she, he thought she was God. Like her word was life to him. And he clung to everything that she said. And because of this, he had no social skills. He didn't really have any social interaction. And all he ever saw was his mom calling his dad and brother weak, like I said before. And he thought in his mind, he would only be strong if he were to strive to be a powerful woman like his mom, which, you know, I'm all for girl power, but not her, not that Eddie. So without anyone left with Ed, combined with the fact that he had no social skills, didn't really engage with anyone, you can kind of see where this was headed from the outside looking in like if the situation was made of glass baby it shattered we already knew what was going to happen and here it goes it's happening so in the house that they lived in it was a fairly large sized house and since he was all alone on this land he just resorted to boarding up the house and staying there all by himself he neglected majority of the house but good old mommy's room was the only one left untouched he kept that clean and pristine and he would close the door and he put a sign over the door that said mommy <laughs> anyways but the rest of the house just think of it as an episode of hoarders if you've never seen hoarders please go watch it oh, i love that show but yeah the kitchen was essentially the only place where he actually hung out, but the living room, other sitting areas, just the entire house, dust, filth, you name it. So then sometime shortly after, Ed sort of kind of, no, not sort of kind of, he started to spiral. He started not showing up for jobs. The neighbors reported of him smelling bad and the house kind of had like an odor, but I think they just contributed that to, you know, he was depressed that his mom passed and he probably wasn't keeping up with himself for the house. Yeah. And one day he just snapped. So here's when we get into the meat of this entire story. So 18 months after his mom's death, Ed went to the cemetery and dug up his mom's grave. Yeah, straight to the point. Dug up his mom's grave, stole her head. And his reasoning 
was because he wanted to shrink it like he read in one of his books. So he could put his mom in a jar and keep it. So yeah, straight out the gate, he passed go, he collected 200 and he went straight for the boardwalk. Like, yeah, he played no games. And another day, he just got the bright idea, hey, I'm going to dig up more of these. Don't know what the thought process was. Don't know how one plus one made two. He just thought that one day, hey, I'm going to dig up more bodies. And this just... I just have no words. (laughs) I guess I'm just going to move on because I have no words at this point. So in 1951, uh, Gein dug up 51-year-old Eleanor Adams on the same day she was buried. Uh, Two hunters disappeared from a bar in the town of Plainsfield, also in 1951, and no trace of them was ever found aside from a jacket near Ed's property. And once again, the neighbors complained of a terrible smell coming from his property, but it was never investigated. In 1953, 15-year-old Evelyn Hartley was abducted while babysitting in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, where they're originally from, leaving behind, I guess, signs of a struggle from what they could see and pry marks on the windows. And at the same time, Ed was visiting a relative a few blocks from the house, although when he was investigated, he would later deny involvement and pass two lie detector tests. Now, I'm just going to put this out here. I hate lie detector tests. They are not accurate. I don't care what anybody says. Lie detector tests are not 100% accurate. I have taken a lie detector test once in my life. Yes, I did pass, but the questions were dumb. And before anybody asks, no, I was not about to go to jail. This was just a completely different reason that had nothing to do with me. They were just being bullies. So if you ever want to know, I will always tell that story, but it's not for this time. But yeah, lie detector tests are done. Dumb, especially back then. If I hate them now, imagine lie detector tests back then when they didn't even know what they were doing. Imagine how many people got off because of a lie detector test, but I digress. Yeah, I hate them. Just as much as I hate his mom, I hate lie detector tests. But at this point, no red flags were going off. Like, come on now. I don't even know. To to be honest, my red flags have been going off, but that's only because I'm on the outside looking in. But... Even if I wasn't and I was in the town, my red flags would be ding, 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 like something is not right, but not everybody can be like me. So at this point, like I said, no red flags were going off, but everyone in the town just thought Ed was weird. They just thought he was a weird guy and They wouldn't actually come out and say anything about him per se. They just kind of kept it to themselves, like amongst each other. But, you know, like some some of those people where it's like they just got to say weird things just so they can get a laugh out or just, you know, get a little chuckle out of people and move on. Yeah, that wasn't Ed. He thought that's what he was doing, but complete opposite. So when he would say weird things... It just made you go, all right, and just kind of brush it off. But in the back of your mind, you're just like, no, something doesn't seem right. But they never addressed it. Because one day, um, a lady named Mary Hogan, who was the owner of the tavern Ed frequently visited, she came up missing. And the only thing left behind of hers was a pool of blood. But no one literally ever saw her again. And then here goes Edward when they're talking about it. He's just like, oh yeah, she's just staying the night at my house. 
coming and say what? Like, I would have been like, anybody else want to call the police and come check this out with me? But everyone just thought it was just one of Ed being weird, saying one of his weird jokes. So they just kind of brushed it off and was like, all right, Ed. But how do you move on from that? I'm, I'm a sucker for a good old joke, you know, dad jokes. Any joke you can think of, anti-jokes, but that right there, at this point in time, in this economy? No, we don't have to check that out. So, I want to make a quick disclaimer. Once again, if I didn't already say that at the beginning, I'm going to say it again. If you have a weak stomach and do not like to hear about gruesome things, You knew what this was when you clicked on the podcast and you heard my disclaimer at the beginning. But this is just a heads up. It gets really gross. So we're about to get into how he got caught and what they found whenever they went to arrest Ed. Because they tie together how he got caught and how they found everything in his house. They happen at the same time. So you can't say one first without saying the other. So... They're just going to go together. <laughs> so, on November 16, 1957, Bernice Warden was reported missing. She worked at a hardware store in Plainsfield, and it was empty. And the cash register was gone, and there was a trail of blood leading all the way to the back door. Bernice had a son, and he was the deputy sheriff of Plainsfield. And automatically, he suspected Ed due to all the things that were going around in the town and just because he kind of knew Ed and he just thought he was weird and just something didn't seem right. Some were saying that the son found a receipt with Ed's name on it from when he went to the hardware store, but I don't know how true that is because they paid with cash and I don't know if they wrote names on receipts. I don't know, but I just said all right but yeah he immediately assumed ed for whatever reason which rightfully so i'm glad you did and so he took a couple of his i guess co-workers <laughs> i don't know what you called them back then and they went they were dispatched to ed's house where they found bernice remember that disclaimer i put up yeah just keep that tucked in your pocket. So they found Bernice. And <clears throat> how do I put this? Yeah, anyways, moving on. <laughs> you'll you'll see. So they found her in what they call a summer kitchen. Had to Google that as well. Cause I had no idea what a summer kitchen was. Sounds delightful. Not in this house, but <laughs> in any other context. Sounds amazing. And she was hanging upside down. <sighs> she was completely naked. And she had been cut all the way from her pelvic bone to her chest. And she was decapitated. He had taken out all of her organs and he was draining her blood. Now, remember a while back when I said years ago, Ed seen his parents bleeding out that pig carcass and how he was attracted to it. You see how everything comes full circle? Yeah, living out his fantasies there. And this just made them go, all right, now I got to see the rest of the house. Just, I'm so glad they did this. So, this is where we come in to Ed's House of Horrors. Huh, horrors, horrors. Yeah, I said that right. So, I also want to preface, please do not think I'm making any of this up. Because the things that I'm about to say sound like it came out of a fiction novel. That's how bad it is. Because once I'm done, you're going to want to Google this. And then you're going to see, wow, she was serious. So, like I said, keep that in mind. And before you Google anything, 
just know everything that I'm about to say is true. Now, if you do want to Google it, that's on you. I Googled it. I was fine because, you know, I'm, I like this sort of stuff. But, yeah. So, they find a number of things in this house. They find a lampshade made out of human flesh. Utensils made out of bones. He took skulls and he sawed off the top of the skulls and made soup bowls. There was a chair that was upholstered with human skin. And it was just like the seat part. And he put the skin and he upholstered it to the chair. Like, child, Ashley Furniture ain't got nothing on him. Sis was crafting. Like, he was auditioning to be a part of a Martha Stewart collection. That's how much he had in this house. <sighs> there were jars filled with intestines. There was a belt made out of nipples. A belt made out of nipples? Who comes up with this? How did you, man, he made gloves out of human flesh. There was a box filled with just noses, like just sawed off noses. Like who just comes up with this? Like, okay, I'm just going to keep this nose. Never know when I'm going to need another one. Hey, I'm going to make this belt out of nipples. Like I don't need a Gucci belt. I have a nipple belt. God. He made a shade pool, like the thing you pull the shade down in your house. Like the, yeah, what's it called? Blinds, that we call them now. The shade pool was made out of human lips, women's lips sewn together. But wait, there's more, if you, if you thought that was it. Huh. <clears throat> On one wall, it was lined with nine women's faces, literally faces. Like he, like from the hairline all the way around the chin, he had sliced it off, like pulled it off to keep it like intact. So you knew it was a face and he stuck it on his wall as decoration, just human face wallpaper. He had a shoebox under his bed that had women's genitals in it, you know, saving that for later. I'm still stuck on the face. I was still stuck on the nipple belt, but now I'm stuck on the faces because he actually took the time. Sir, anyways, I know it's a lot to unpack. I don't know why I'm just picking these two particular things because everything else is just terrible. And I guess every time I just hear the story, I still get a little bit stunned because it doesn't seem real. And I want to take a calm tone. I feel like I'm taking a calm tone, but if I'm not, I want to because it doesn't begin to encapsulate how stunned my brain is. But let me digress so I can move on. So we're just gonna double back to the fact what that I said earlier. When he was digging up these human bodies, you know, the ones he dug up in 1951, it was for a reason. And the reason being, He had the bright idea he was going to make a human suit so that he could be just like his mom. Essentially also a woman, which like I said, girl power, girl power. But you know, Ed, we don't do it like this dog. Like I'm all for it. I respect if you did want to be a woman, but that's not how you go about it. And It all started because he was researching 
through obituaries in the paper for women who were the same age as his mom. And he would go dig up their graves and begin making his human suit. And what I mean by that is he made a shirt. Yeah, he made a shirt. It was like a long sleeve shirt, had a human skin, human flesh, and he made leggings. And when he made the leggings, he said he would go out and dance under the full moon like it's the fucking nutcracker. <sighs> yeah. So we have a shirt. We have leggings. We have gloves. Oh, he made shoes, which I couldn't really find out what the shoes were made out of. I know I seen a mouth on the side of the shoe, but and of course it's flesh, but I don't know what how he made the shoe. I don't know if he wrapped it around a shoe. Why am I trying to figure this out? Anyways, so he made an outfit. Like, it was the summer collection for New York Fashion Week. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> and I keep making jokes because I have to keep my mind. If I don't make jokes, I'm going to spiral. <laughs> Here goes that nervous laughter. Anyways. Oh, there's more. He made a corset out of a woman's torso. <sighs> like I said, he made shoes. He made an entire outfit. I think he made a hat as well. But it's just speculation. And just to make matters worse, that wasn't all that they found. They found organs in the fridge. They found a heart on the stove what he was going to do with it he never said they found the tavern lady eventually and her face had been skinned so I'm assuming she was one of the women's faces that were on the wall and they found fingernails everywhere body it's, yeah so it took the police all day rightfully it took them all day and they assumed it was about 15 different bodies throughout the home that made up his collection, if that's what you want to call them. And this is just the things they had pictures of. And they told us about and reported on. Like, imagine the things that they didn't report. Like, everything else was already bad. Like, come on. Human flesh lampshade. But still... There were probably things in there that they completely looked over because everything else was just so, you can't believe it. But, okay, calm down. Because who would want to see that? I'm glad they did. Okay, calm down. So around 4.30 in the morning, they found a sack and it was covered in blood. And when they looked inside, it was a head and it was Bernice. And she had nails coming out of each ear and string attached to the nails. So when they asked him, they're just like, hey, Ed, uh, what you going to do with that head over there? And plain and simple, he said, I was just going to hang her head up as decoration. Like a fucking Christmas ornament. Ed! Just, oh my God. So, of course, he was arrested. He confessed to killing Bernice. And down the road, like years later, he confessed to killing Mary, the tavern ornament. Of course, I mean, dude, they were right there. Like, of course you confessed. I'm glad you confessed. You didn't have to, but I'm glad you did. The evidence. But anyways, so... As I mentioned earlier, the few bodies that he dig, dig up, but there obviously wasn't all of them since they did assume it was 15, but they only mentioned two that he dug up. So eventually he did confess that over the span of 12 years is how long he was grave robbing. 
and he had a male friend. I want to say his name was Gus that worked at the cemetery, which by the way, yay Ed for making a friend, but it's bad that you made this kind of friend in this kind of context, but he lived, I want to say he lived at the cemetery and the cemetery wasn't too far from Ed's house. I know it was in walking distance. Well, yeah, I know it was in walking distance. And he was essentially Ed's accomplice. Like he would let him in the cemetery late at night and help him dig up these graves and dig up these bodies. So I hope he got arrested too. And he didn't really care for the bodies that were dead for some time because they were really hard to work with and make his knickknacks he just said they were really hard to sew they would tear all that good stuff and so that's why he resorted to killing in the end because the skin was really moisturized and pliable plump (sighs) yeah so Ed was charged with one count of first-degree murder which he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity and A lot of people will plead insanity just so they would get a lesser sentence and in rare cases didn't have to go to jail, but they did get sent to a psychiatric ward. Or I did read some where they just don't get, they just walk free, but that's extremely, extremely rare. But in this case, (laughs) you know what, Ed, you might be right. (laughs) Plead insanity. So they deemed that he was unfit to stand trial and he was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. And somehow 10 years later, they assumed that he was finally fit to stand trial and he was found guilty of first degree murder. And then shortly after, which I would like to go on and say, He would be the inspiration behind the character of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs, Psycho, you know, Norman Bates, obsessed with his mom thing. Uh, Yeah. And... (sighs) I don't really like the fact that they how do I put this these were all cult classics like these were all really great movies but they they kind of developed in a cult following that I don't really enjoy and I'm gonna I'm explain the following that I'm talking about so the house in Texas Chainsaw Massacre I even grew up hearing this, that a lot of people would try to go visit that house in the movie. And it wasn't until I got into True Crime that I realized that wasn't the house. They really wanted to... So it was a thin line between wanting to go see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house and actually wanted to see Ed Gein's house, which a lot of people didn't know about Ed Gein until, you know, we all became sound adults. (laughs) So, and for whatever reason, and this is the part that I don't really like, get better idols. Let me say that. So, and for whatever reason, they would go see the house, not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They would go see Ed's house because people are strange. But... When you knew what this house represented and everything that went on in this house, why would you want to go there? But like I said, get better idols. And they would take pieces of the house, dirt. They would just anything as memorabilia for Ed. And why? Just anyways. And right after Ed was arrested... People just thought the house was an eyesore. They hated the house. They hated everything they st- it stood for, everything it represented, rightfully so. And 
people would essentially just come out just to gawk at the house and anybody else in the town that was sane would be like, why do you want to do this? We hate this house. It essentially became a tourist attraction for whatever, get better idols. So shortly after it was burned to the ground, thank God. And people were suspected, some people were suspected for arson, but no one ever came forward and no one was ever charged. No one ever spoke up because who would really speak up that they burned down the house that everyone wanted gone. You know what? I would take credit for that, but she was still getting in trouble for arson. But anyways, no one came up and the house was gone. So July 26, 1984, Ed passed away after being in the mental institution for the rest of his life. His body was sent back to Plainsville, Wisconsin, where he was buried. And, you know, people are going to be people. When they found out where he was buried, um, I think it broke the news. I don't know if it was just Plainsville news, but a lot of people found out that he passed and that he was buried back where he was. Uh, yeah. I want to say, yeah, raised. And they would go and vandalize his headstone, take pieces of it as a souvenir, which why would you want that? Just like the house. Why would you want this? Get better idols. I cannot stress that enough. So whatever. Shortly after, someone just took the whole headstone. Like they just up and said, you know, I don't want a piece. I want the whole thing. And later down the road, they found it. I want to say in like Seattle or something. And they ended up not even giving him a headstone. So he's still buried, I want to say, next to dear old mommy, but just without a headstone. And I've seen pictures where some people were leaving flowers and all kinds of crap. (sighs) Did I say get better idols before? I feel like I haven't. Get better idols. So, hmm. That's the story of Ed. What is the positive that we can find in this he was the inspiration for a lot of good movies I guess and I wouldn't call him a serial killer per se he was definitely a grave robber and body snatcher but serial killer no I mean at least not from my knowledge he was definitely very sick and did I say I hate his mom because I blame her for literally everything but that's just me. You are a product of your environment, which is my beliefs. And his environment was toxic and terrible. Do I think that Ed would have had a different outcome had he not be raised in literally hell? Maybe. But who am I to say what would have happened? You know, we can't change the, the past. And I can't assume that everything would have been better or not turned out like this had he been raised by someone not that god-awful woman. But, yeah. There's Ed. (laughs) Good old Ed. It's one of those stories, like I've said before, it's just when you hear about it, You try so hard to think that it's not real, but it is. And when you come to the realization that everything happened and it's not just shits and giggles, there's no smoke, this isn't TV, it just makes you wonder about the world and what goes on in their head. God. <laughs> this story is so bad. Like I feel drained. Like I'm actually tired. <laughs> there goes that nervous laugh again. But I guess I'll wrap it up. I thank you guys so much for listening to episode one. I know this was just a lot for the first episode. And I will say that they will get better. You know, everyone has to start somewhere. If I 
rambled on as I tend to do. You know, this is my podcast. <laughs> Let me go ahead and put that out there. If you didn't like something that I said or something that I did, well, that's on you because I'm going to be here for a good time and a long time. <laughs> but you can follow me on all my social media, Instagram and Twitter are both Anna Nicole, A-N-A-N-I-K-H-O-L. You can also find the link to my clubhouse on Twitter. I'm going to be posting every other Friday. You can reach out to me on either platform and suggest anything to me. I do have a lot of stories lined up that I do want to do. So just be on the lookout. (laughs) And thank you so much for listening to episode one. And I hope you all have a great day. Please be safe out there.